What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode 44 of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we have done the the overreaction game. We've done the Young Guns episode. We've done the Finding Their Identity episode. We cannot put it off any longer. It's finally time. It's time for contenders and pretenders. Uh, I've been waiting for this episode. We, we wanted to put some time into it so that we weren't completely jumping the gun on it. Super pumped to, to finally go through this. We are six weeks into the NFL season already as we record this, which is just insane. Um, but no, this is going to be a, lo- a lot of fun, a little bit of a break from uh, our usual baseball content, and we'll, we'll talk about some football. Oh, we'll, we'll find a way to bring baseball in. Uh, you know it's coming in on the do. number. It's just it's <laughs> as we always do. Now, I'm excited to get back into it. It's absolutely mind-blowing to me that it's already six weeks in. I cannot believe it. I don't know where the time has gone. We're already at bye weeks. It's crazy, but you and I both picked two teams. I'm really excited to talk about my team. One is a little bit of a mix, but I'm going to throw it to you first. Start us off. Where are we going first? Ooh, nice. So we are going to go then to the AFC North. And the team that I want to talk about is right there in contention. They're sitting there at four and two, just a game behind the Baltimore Ravens. It's a team we touched on when we went through NFL storylines to to kickstart the season about someone to look out for. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. And and I quote basically from how we, we started this, the Bengals are talented, but I think they're at least a year away. That was my outlook on it. Maybe they're not a year away is how I look at it. They are a good football team and we look at it we know about joe burrow and everything that he brings he's the guy there they have a top 10 scoring offense and just about a top 10 scoring defense as well that defense has been much better than i think a lot of us thought it was going to be the big the big knock on the Bengals is usually wow that offensive line is going to be a disaster it's been a disaster what is it going to be well the last four weeks from our friend tim daniel one uh, who we had to talk on the cincinnati reds over the summer Week three against the Steelers, zero sacks. Week four against the Jags, one sack allowed. Week five against the Packers, two sacks allowed. Week six against the Lions, two sacks allowed. Listen, are they keeping them completely upright every game? No. He's not getting battered every single game. And I think that was the fear for a lot of people was that Burrow was just going to get destroyed. And he hasn't. Joe Mixon's top five in the NFL in rushing right now. And as I said, with that defense, you know, it's, it's holding teams enough. I think the Bengals may be a contender. Four and two, top of the AFC North. You see that coming? Ooh, that war second, second. They're right behind Baltimore. So, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Duh. Um, when we thought they were a year away, mm-hmm. I think you loop that question in with the how could they have not picked Penny Sewell? Yep. They're starting to erase that discussion. Yes, they are. Because when you think about how dynamic that offense is, they almost beat the Packers. Mm-hmm. They beat the Minnesota Vikings, who have one of the best offensive units in the league. This, so I'll tell you where I stand, and then I'll, I'll give them a little bit more praise, because I do believe that the Bengals can cause a lot of trouble. I do, too. I think the jury's still out on whether they can be a contender, mm-hmm. and it's based solely on the strength of the schedule so far. So like I said, they beat Minnesota, OT thriller in week one. They lost the Bears. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Pittsburgh in a pretty dominant fashion. Then they beat Jacksonville and Detroit, two of the worst teams in the league. And then they lost the Packers in that unbelievably crazy missed kick game where they were four on each side, something crazy like that. Their upcoming games, 
Baltimore, the Jets, mm-hmm. and Cleveland. And then their last three games of the season, at home against Baltimore, at home against Kansas City, and then they finish on the road at Cleveland. Yeah. So glass half full approach. They have a, a really easy way to prove themselves. Glass half empty. They've got a tough schedule. Again, they've been doing a good job of keeping Joe clean so far mm-hmm. against Baltimore. How are they going to hold up oh. against Cleveland? How are they going to hold up? Pittsburgh defense was really good, but I think I'm, I'm pumping the brakes on the Bengals a little bit because I need them to prove themselves and they have a really good opportunity next week against Baltimore. I think that's, and you, you spotlighted exactly where I wanted to go next. They've got the chance to show it this Sunday against Baltimore. I mean, how big of a game is that for the Bengals to really show you know how much they're in it because the Ravens just absolutely dismantled the Chargers over the weekend, a team that I think Unreal. a lot of people have been really, really high on. And that's a game that I'm also really looking forward to. It's in December. It's Chargers Bengals. Herbert versus Burrow is just very exciting to see the development of those two quarterbacks. You know, you talk about Jamar Chase, and I definitely thought they should have gone with Penesul in the first round, but Chase. He's the leader in the clubhouse, in my mind, for Offensive Rookie of the Year right now. He's caught seven passes of 30 or more air yards so far this season. No one else in the league has done that. It's He's made such an impact for them. He threw a huge block on Joe Mixon's touchdown run uh, yesterday against the Lions. I'm really excited about this Bengals team. To your point, it's a tough schedule. Um mm-hmm. And the division is still tough. And it, yeah, exactly. Like Cleveland is, you know, treading water right now. It was a poor yeah. performance over the weekend, but I, I still expect them to be pretty good. Pittsburgh, we know what they are on offense, but defensively they're going to make life hard on you. Like it, as you said, it's a tough division. They are going to have an opportunity to prove themselves. Uh, I think they're putting it together a lot faster than I initially thought they were going to. 100%. So that is why I will put them in the contender range. Cause I think this is a good enough team that we can consider it there. I don't know if they're going to fully end up making the playoffs with the schedule uh, that you've had, you know, with c- could possibly be injuries, of course can always pop up, but this team has progressed. And I think that's really exciting because Zach Taylor has been under a ton of pressure. T- I think most people viewed him as a lame duck entering this. I season. thought he was done. Yeah. yeah. Right. I thought and- it was done. Even the play calling at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. they've, they've really put that together. They they have stopped beating themselves and now they're able to beat other teams. Yeah. And that's what's changed. No, it's it's not out of the out of this world to think that Zach Taylor could have been on the hot seat entering the season, but we've seen progression. We've seen that this team is good and I, I'm excited to see how they continue to go through the season. Another positive spin too, they haven't really been fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon was a question mark coming yeah. into this week and he exploded and they've been able to exploit that run game against pretty decent run defenses too. And I'm laughing out loud thinking about the Jamar Chase stat line. You said seven catches of 30 plus yards. The New England Patriots didn't have a play longer than 35 yards up until this past week. (laughs) I'd say that's pretty good for Jamar Chase's offensive rookie of the year. I Truly, the one thing I can say about the Bengals, they were not that much of an underdog to the Packers two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. It's no joke to see Cincinnati on their schedule. And I think that is exactly where Cincinnati needs to be, especially because this is ahead of schedule. This is like the San Francisco Giants. House money. Why not go out there, turn some heads, win 11 or 12 games? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I probably have them in the 10 range. I think think the Bengals would be very happy if they finish at 9 or 10 wins this year. Yeah. If they can go any further than that, amazing 
Uh, but I think it, say the Bengals win five more games. They've already equaled their, uh, their win total from, from yeah. last year in just six weeks. Uh, th- this is a, a much improved football team and one worth keeping an eye on. I totally agree on you with you. And when I was watching the, the Ravens chargers games too, Brandon Staley is in his own category when it comes to his caliber of a coach, Yeah, I'm but he was, a, he was a psycho with some of those play calls. Some yeah. of those play calls were psychotic. And I feel like that's the category that Zach Taylor was in at the beginning of the season. And he's reined it in a little bit. <laughs> I think we've seen Staley use psychotic play calls a couple of times so far yes. this season, which <laughs> makes him really exciting. I mean, I, yeah. I love watching chargers games, but yikes sometimes. Exactly. Well said. All right. So I'm going to go to my pretender first, and I think it's the Minnesota Vikings. So I have a couple of cool stats about them, but I'm going to start with this past Sunday when they played the Carolina Panthers. They blew an 11 point lead. I'm going to give you some good and some some bad. They blew an 11 point lead. Kirk Cousins wasn't sacked. They allowed Sam Darnold to run a vintage two-minute drill in order to tie the game and send it into overtime. (laughs) Vintage is the best way to put it. (laughs) Exactly. And then Kirk Cousins was only pressured on four of his 49 dropbacks. I considered the Vikings' offense one of the best offensive units in the league. I really do. Their offensive line is becoming really, really strong. They also cannot convert the third down. They entered week six with the second highest three-and-out percentage in the league. How many good offense are you seeing do that? Not many. And they also don't have a great schedule coming up They're They have a bye this it's week. A brutal schedule actually coming up. <laughs> Dallas, Baltimore, Chargers, Green Bay, and San Francisco. I mean, talk about having the chance to prove yourself. I think if they, yeah, let me see. Maybe they beat Dallas in a shootout. Maybe they beat the Chargers in a shootout. And they can probably beat San Francisco. If I think if they get two wins, I think that that's would an optimistic be view miraculous. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I, you picked one of the most difficult teams to assess. Yeah. I feel and they're like three the and Vikings, three. That's that, the other thing. They're exactly. right down the middle. It's just that there's a clump of mediocrity in the NFL right now. And they're certainly one of the teams in there. And why this one is so difficult. Cause on the Bengals, I see a team fully on the upswing that I'm super excited about. And even if it's not this year, they're going to put it together. This Vikings team, I can't figure out. As you said, offensively, they've been great all season long. And you know what? Kirk Cousins deserves you know praise for it because he has been very, very good this season. So glad you didn't say MVP consideration. No, I've seen some people say <laughs> you that. You were very, I, very precise with your words I'm there. not ready to go there. Um, you know, the, the defense also, it, it's, a, it's a solid unit. I know Patrick Peterson just got placed on IR and is going to miss some time, but it, it's a pretty solid unit. I don't trust them when it comes down to, I think for years we've seen kind of the, the Vikings, I, I've said it before, but mediocrity that, that comes mm-hmm. up where they just stumble over themselves. And it, with that really brutal schedule coming up, you know, as you talk about Dallas, Baltimore, LA, Green Bay, San Francisco, and a stretch, you know, remember they scored seven points against the Browns just a couple yeah. weeks ago. And I I'm so scarred of that of that team and you know kind of what we've seen from them in the past i lean pretender as well on the other side of things i can see this offense just being really explosive and leading them you know in a division that i think is pretty bad other than the packers to be able to stay right there and maybe nick a wild card spot this team okay. is so hard to judge that's exactly so if you think about all the games they've played, I'll run through them quickly because there aren't many so far. They had the overtime loss to Cincinnati because of their kicker. Mm-hmm. 
They only lost by one point to Arizona, the still undefeated Cardinals. They put up a really good fight. They beat Seattle pretty handily. Mm -hmm. They lost to Cleveland where their offense just sputtered. And then they beat beat Detroit, but only by two. And then they beat Carolina, who has since fallen off a cliff in overtime. I don't know what I was thinking when I said that their schedule isn't that great. It's arguably one of the hardest upcoming schedules in the (laughs) league. Um, It's just weird when you think about Alexander Madison being the backup running back. And you could Mm -hmm. argue that as a starter, he would probably be in the top tier of starters. He's that explosive. And you've got Cook. And you've got Thielen. But they're not going to win the NFC North. The NFC North runs through Lambeau. We know what Aaron Rodgers have done. There's a reason why neither you or I have picked the Packers in any sort of discussion we've had because they are fine and they will be fine for the rest of the season. I don't think the Vikings are in a spot right now where they can nick a wild card spot. Mm. I don't think they're there. If that's their only chance because of the Packers, and I think there's a zero chance of the NFC North going to anybody but the Packers. I agree. Then you think of some teams. I mean, there are probably going to be two teams out of two, if not three teams out of the West. Mm -hmm. You could still see something in the South being a little bit interesting. I'm not sure if I put Vikings in that category. And another reason why is because they can't win close games. Why do all of their games have to come down to these unbelievably insane finishes? They can't just take care of a team and move on. And that's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, it, it definitely is. That's what it's the inconsistencies here yeah. that that really doom them. Now, I think they could take advantage of an NFC that is very top heavy, but definitely bottoms out very quickly. As you said, the NFC West is going to get two teams in the playoffs, maybe a third. I mean, we know the East is going to be one. Uh, the the NFC South, I'm not sold on the Saints or yeah, what probably one Panthers. So that could be yeah. one, maybe two. So I think they do have a shot to sneak in, but it's more based on the fact that I don't really trust anyone else either um, for why I think Minnesota could do that, that that offense might be able to ride them just long enough with how cousins is playing. If Dalvin cook can stay healthy, things like that. I think they can get there. It's they are not a team that I would have confidence can win a playoff game, but I do think there's a decent might be too strong of a word, but there, I do lean towards them making the playoffs, having a chance. You're going to start kicking for them. Is that where Mike Zimmer is at? You on the phone? I they might have to at this point, honestly. <laughs> it's just, I, they're a cursed franchise when it comes to kickers uh, over the past <laughs> decade or so. Ooh, it's been rough. It's so bad. Yeah, that's, I, I feel the same way you do. It's just a frustrating team to talk about because one week they look one way mm-hmm. and another time they're beating Detroit, the worst team in the league by two points. They're so, so I guess that's just going to be the Minnesota ride right now until we get a couple more weeks under our belts. I mean, pretty much we're just going to, yeah. but as you said, that schedule is, it's not just bad. It's so bad what they have to play. I mean, again, just this, I think it's our third time saying it just to emphasize it. Dallas, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Green Bay, San Francisco. They still have a game with the Rams on their schedule. They still have to go to Green Bay. Like there it's a rough run in of games for them. Yeah. I I mean, I think they have as good of a chance as finishing at 500, if not below as they do of getting a playoff spot. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they catch it and they go on a little run. I also would not be surprised if they finish at or below 500. That's just what it is. No, you're, you're right. The nice thing for them is that they still have three games remaining against the bears and Lions. So yeah. you, you've got those games as kind of fear games. That they just have to win, but they're also the Vikings. So would we be shocked if they ended up dropping one of those? I, yeah. I wouldn't be. 
Um, so that I think that's where they are. I think that's a perfect segue for you for some top heavy divisions, but I do think they have a chance to, to beat up on some of their other opponents because the NFC North is by no means strong at all. No, no, absolutely. So yes, I'll transition then back into the AFC and it's a little bit of a weird one. Cause you know, Em and I were talking about it before we started recording, like we kind of wanted to focus on some different teams here and spotlight some things, you know, at the AFC East, I, I can't say I have confidence in anyone not named the bills. The West is so jumbled right now. And we've talked about some of the teams, the North, I just brought you through the Bengals. That leads me into the South and no, I will not be talking about the Texans or the Jaguars. So that leads us to the Indianapolis Colts, a team that, you know, we discussed that at length last year as how impressed kind of we both were with that roster building, the coaching. I think Frank Reich is, a, is an awesome coach and Carson Wentz has actually looked decent question mark of over the last couple of weeks, kind of as that ankle has healed up, you know, it, he's definitely looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket. The big thing with Wentz last year was turnovers and a ton of interceptions. I believe he threw 15 and just limited, limited access. He's thrown one interception so far this season. Clean it up one. I mean, that that is a nine touchdowns to one interception. That is a huge, huge difference. We know about the talent with Jonathan Taylor. T.Y. Hilton came back over the weekend and played a big role in that. I love Michael Pittman. I mean, they're, they're dealing with injuries. I know Quentin Nelson's been really banged up. The defense is fine. You know, OK, it, it's not it's not a standout unit, but it, it keeps them in games. The Colts are sitting there at two and four right now. I, this next game, it's, it's this weekend, it's the Sunday night game It's Colts 49ers. This is a just massive, massive game for them to see who are the Colts. Because I don't think, I don't want to take away too much from a a 31 to three win over the Texans that we saw over the weekend. I don't want to say the sky is falling after the massive blown lead on the Monday night against the Ravens. So I'm really, really interested to see how they come up on the road against San Francisco. You know, they, they've got some winnable games coming up with the Jets and the Jaguars. I don't think the Titans have really shown themselves as good of a team as I initially thought they were going to be. Sitting in there, you know, right behind the Titans, we're recording this before the Monday night game in which I, do, I believe the Bills will win that game. Play this back in the morning when the Titans find a way to win it. Um, <laughs> they show you who they really are. Exactly. I mean, with that in mind, if the Titans lose tonight, the Colts are a game back. So why couldn't they be contenders? That's exactly how I feel. I was going to I was, my last question was, I don't think you answered the question on if they're contenders or predators. Well, you know, I like to start right okay? in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm going to say it again because I brought it up. I think either in the overreaction episode of the identity one, who actually thought the Colts wouldn't be two and four right now. Mm-hmm. They lost to Seattle, yep. LA and Tennessee. Maybe they could have beaten Seattle, but at the beginning of the season, only Seattle lost the was Rams still... by three, too. Remember? Yeah, and that was a that was a wild game. I will not forget that game. <laughs> Carson Wentz quite literally put his body on the line to try mm-hmm. and win that game, and that has been his detriment. Yes, but with a healthier offensive line, he's been able to stay in the pocket, actually have some precision on his throws, and look what's happening. It's not that hard to put together, right? I know the the overstated storyline of Frank Reich. And Carson Wentz finding his old ways. I think we need to ditch that. Carson Wentz might never be the 2017 MVP version of himself that he was that year. Mm -hmm. He might never get back to that. That doesn't mean he can't be a competent quarterback on an otherwise really strong roster, because I think that's what the Colts are. They've had their bumps. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. No. But they're right where they need to be in a division where they're going to play Jacksonville two more times and the Texans two more times. I wouldn't count the Colts out of a 
Tennessee matchup right now. I think that no, would be pretty I'll much even. So I am totally with you. I actually lean more towards considering Indianapolis a contender right now mm-hmm. versus a pretender going into week seven. Yeah, as do I. And they've got that Titans game coming up on Halloween, which will be just a, a big one. A, yeah, yeah. A, a big game. It's for them at home. Like I say it's back to back weeks of just huge games for them with at the 49ers and then home to the Titans. So this is going to be big for the Colts. I, I think they can stick around. I think they can make a run at this division. As I've talked about it before, I, I think the general manager's done a wonderful job. I love the head coach. I think the roster's built really well. The quarterback's playing much better, clearly. He's not turning the ball over like we saw last year. Right. Why not is how I look at the Colts. The other thing working to their advantage, too, they've got those really tough games. Then they have the Jets and Jacksonville. Yes. And then they have Buffalo and Tampa Bay, but then they have Houston. So mm-hmm. it's just they're just riding the emotional wave of the Colts season, which is what I think it's going to be. But I do not count them out at all. No, not at all. And again, they haven't been fully healthy. T.Y. Well, Hilton came back. He exploded. I think Pittman and Taylor are two of the best young offensive players in the league. Love both They've got them. a lot, a lot working for them right now. Yes, they do. It's it's how good can that defense be yep. is, is a big part of it for them. So we'll see where they fin- finish up. And how controlled Carson Wentz can be. It's always going to come back. Yeah. To how, Wentz. how long can he stick at that one interception? But one interception through six weeks, I, I must say, I would not have expected that after what we saw from him. Very, very impressive. I'm tempted to say better than Patrick Mahomes, but I will not <laughs> say that right now. <laughs> Wiping that from the record. All right. So I'll switch to my second team. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not going to paint this as the typical contender or pretender because this one is fairly obvious. The Cowboys are running away with the NFC East right now. It's not even close. And they're solidifying themselves as one of the best teams in the NFC. My question to you, Pat, is can the Cowboys be a legit NFC contender? Can they beat the Bucks? Can they beat the Cardinals? Can they beat the Rams? And can they beat the reigning NFC and, and world champions, Buccaneers? I think they have a chance. And it's because of that offense. But what's going to be the X factor is still the defense. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Diggs, people are arguing that he's the MVP candidate. We obviously need to pump the brakes on that. (laughs) The defense gives up the third most yards in the league. They're they're only below the Washington football team in Jacksonville. That is obviously not a great spot to be in. Their offense has been able to make up for it because besides scoring only 20 against the Chargers, the lowest point total they've put up this year is 31. Their offense is on another planet. In every single game, it's a different guy, which is absurd. That defense has to bunker down at some point. But right now, the bottom line is that Dallas is winning games that in previous years they would have lost. No, I, I think you're totally right. And I, I look at Dallas and I do view them as an NFC contender. I, I think that highly of them. The defense is, of course, where everyone is going to go to, as they should. They give up a ton of yards, but what they really do, what they do really well, I should say, is they they turn the football over. I mean, they 14 total takeaways so far this season. They also have a plus seven turnover differential, which is good for a third best in the league. Because so they're they're not turning the ball over on offense, which is of course really, really, really important. And they're finding ways to take it away on defense. They're second in the league, only behind Buffalo. 
and takeaways. That offense is just on another planet. As you said, over 460 yards per game, uh, points per game is 34, which I believe is four points more than the second place team. Both Zeke and Tony Pollard are on pace for great seasons. You know, I would have thought the, that would have been the duo, right? Exactly. It out, worked out of the backfield and Dak has looked like a classic Dak, you know, coming back from the, the, the horrific injury. This team is stacked. It, it really is. When you look at it, it offensively, they are so exciting. It, it's all going to come down to, can that defense hold up against say an Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs against a Tom Brady in the playoffs? And I think that's the question. And I don't think there's a way to answer that question just yet. They're going to take shots at, you know, and they're going to be very aggressive at, at trying to turn teams over. If they're not turning teams over, I think that's when you're going to see them get into trouble just because that defense is not built, built to try and contain teams. If they have to be aggressive and try to get those turnovers but that offense is good enough to straight up win games. So yeah. they're in that they're in the conversation. That's really interesting. So their first their first and only loss was to the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the only really explosive offense that they've played is the Chargers. Yep. Otherwise, they've played Philadelphia, Carolina, the Giants, and the Patriots. The Patriots almost made them play. The first pay, excuse me, the first 35 plus offensive play that the Patriots had all season was a Trayvon Diggs missed coverage and it yes. almost cost them the game. Mm-hmm. So they need to do a better job of not going all in, you know, it can be just kind of in the middle, you know, it's great to have, I don't know if they could do that turnovers <laughs> and Mike McCarthy is a big part of that too. Yes. Mike McCarthy's play calling also mm-hmm. needs to steady a little bit oh. and that's always going to be a roller coaster. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause that was what I, I also did want to mention just forgot to is we get into the postseason. Is there a trust of Mike McCartney going yeah. up against these other coaches? I mean, think about it. They kicked that field goal with 23 seconds left, or I believe he called a timeout. Why in the world would you call a timeout there and give the ball back to New England when all you have to do is call a timeout with two seconds left, kick the field goal like everyone else in the league? Yeah. That's concerning. Like that, that's a not even a rookie head coach mistake. That is terrifying. I, and I, listen, I get it. I know he's won a Super Bowl before. But I think there are plenty of people have doubts about him, and he showed it again yesterday with just, I I can't wrap my head around that call. Val- very valid doubts that a better offense would have exploded, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. So when Dallas starts playing real teams, when they start getting into really high-leverage situations, what version of Mike McCarthy are we going to see? Dak is going to get it done. We know that. The offense is going to get it done. Can the, do- can the defense chill for a second? Can the decision-making be better? Kellen Moore is probably a head coach next year. Do you it agree? Might be the year for him. Yeah, he's he's been on the rise for the last couple of years. I'd like yeah. to see him get a shot next year. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think their strength of schedule is really interesting. They've got a, a decent schedule coming up. Again, the question now is not how are they going to do in this division? It's not how does Dak's comeback of the year profile look like? It's can this team win the NFC? Mm-hmm. And I think the jury's still out right now. Uh, I agree. I've said they're in the conversation. I label them as a contender, but there are some serious question marks about that defense and about that coaching staff that I I don't think we're really going to know until they get there and they're going to get there. No one in the NFC East is going to push them. Right. Um, It's oh man, the, the ceiling is, is got to have Cowboy fans really, really exciting, but they also have to know there's a chance this blows up real ugly when they get there. (laughs) Exactly. Do you think CD Lamb is going to get fined for that taunting at the end of the game? With the way that the NFL is 
going about it this year yeah most likely yeah. i mean that was the most egregious taunting we've had all yeah. season if that one goes unnoticed come on now now i feel the same way though one of the most exciting teams to watch but it has mm-hmm. the potential to get very ugly very quickly if the wheels start falling off yep yeah yeah it's, it's but they've 100%. got enough nice cushion in the nfc east it's actually really interesting to think about how these divisions are set up because yeah. Besides the NFC West, you don't have a division that goes three teams deep. Maybe the AFC North, actually. But other than that, it's it's pretty top-heavy. And then there's a lot of disparity between the good teams and the bad teams in the NFL after six weeks. That That's the phrase that I would use. The NFL feels very, very top-heavy this year, mm-hmm. um, where there, there's a couple of really, really good teams. And there's a lot that are just stuck in the middle that I don't know what the heck to make out of them, like the Colts, like the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> The Patriots even like who yeah. are the Patriots? I thought mm-hmm. that was another good team to focus on this week too. But yeah, there are a lot of teams. The Raiders are up there mm-hmm. that, that need to find their identity a little bit. We're getting to the point where we've got the buy. A lot of these teams, I am of the opinion that it's always better to have the buy late in my head. That just seems like the bigger advantage, but for some of these teams that are hurting early to get some, a break here and then try and ride, ride the momentum into the second half, it's a big deal, especially with that extra game. It, it is a big deal, and ex- exactly, especially with that extra game. So we'll see if anyone can turn it around after their bye. Yeah, that extra game is going to be looming large sooner than we expect, sooner mm-hmm. than we'll we'll see coming. But uh, talking about disparity, baseball has some some disparity problems. Not sure if you knew about some of the top heavy teams in the league over there. What? No way. <laughs> so you're saying the Giants winning 100 and what 10 games, including the playoffs, a little different than the Diamondbacks winning 50? <laughs> little different. Little different. Uh, let's switch to baseball. Mm-hmm. Both of our numbers are there. I'm repping my socks. They're playing ALCS game three. As you listen, hopefully they have a one run, uh, excuse me, a one game lead over Houston. Hopefully they can clinch in Boston on Wednesday night. Oh, wow. Might be going to that. We'll see what happens. But uh, I want to end on mine. So you go first. Yeah, absolutely. So mine goes more of a trend for what we're seeing and it's something we've discussed, you know, multiple times throughout the year. And that's four, which is shockingly the amount of teams we have left in baseball right now the Braves, Dodgers, Red Sox, and Astros. They are all within the top six offenses with the lowest ground ball rate in baseball this season. Four of the top six. It's where baseball is. It is all about putting the ball in the air. It is all about hitting home runs. And these teams, the last four standing, are four of the best ones at it. And it's just... The other teams, by the way, that are around them, the Giants, Blue Jays, and Cardinals. You know, it's the top offenses that we saw throughout the year and all playoff teams other than the blue Jays with missed out by a game, put the ball in the air. It's very clearly we've seen that's where baseball is gone, but if you need any hard statistical proof of it, well, here it is right here. Turns into success, turns Mm -hmm. into wins and then turns into playoff opportunities. And then it turns into deep playoff runs. Yeah. It's not hard to see the correlation. Do you, do you think, are you split one way on if it's good or bad, or do you think it just is right now? I think it's where baseball is right now. I uh, I can't say I'm thrilled with the you know millions of strikeouts and, and all things of that, but very clearly, like if you put the ball in the air, that's what correlates with success at the moment. Yeah, the Red Sox scored nine runs in Game Two against the Astros, all by the home run ball, two grand slams and a solo shot. Thought about it's, doing the two grand slams as a as a stat, but chose. Yeah, not it to. was crazy. I almost popped my shoulder out trying to will 
Devers's home run fair during game two. That's grace. <laughs> Was able to get over that. No, I think it's a really, really stark stat. I can't all, I also can't say if it's good or bad. It is just so stark and telling for where the game is at right now. And because of that, nothing's going to change to try and get hitters to hit any differently because this is what wins. So it's just the way it is right now. And I don't think it's worth all the crotchety old people thinking, oh, this is so (laughs) bad. You got to get the ball on the ground. It's just the way it is. And also pitchers are evolving. That's what I think Mm -hmm. people forget too. Pitchers evolve just as much as hitters evolve. So they're working on that sinker that's maybe not as effective anymore. And they're putting the ball higher up in the zone to try and get more velocity, more swing and misses. Everything's changing. There, there are obviously trends too. I'm sure it's going to go down at some point, just like it always has. But man, that is that is a really good stat to, to show where this is at. And it means that we're going to be getting so many runs in the World Series. Yeah, so many runs. I think so too. And let me clarify, it's for the top seven. I, I can't count apparently. <laughs> but it, also to your point about pitchers, it's why when we say do our you know player of the months, we focus on ground ball percentage because it's yeah. so important in today's game for the you know pitching team if they can keep the ground on the ball. So the ground on the ball, the ball on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> Interesting thought. Yeah, that would be, I'd like to see how that works. Um, yeah, no, it's why Shohei's split was so effective. Mm-hmm. It's why Kevin Gosman's split was so effective. It's why Nathan Avaldi had a young caliber year with his five pitch usage. It all correlates. It's crazy. It, it all correlates. So this is your biggest indicator yet of where baseball has turned that the final four, they're all there. Wow. I really like that. And it's, I mean, Luis Garcia went down in game two in the ALCS. Lance McCullers Jr. was already out of it. The Astros pitching staff wasn't that great anyways. The AL has always been all pitching. I saw somebody's tweet. I think it was Mike Petriello was talking about how watching the ALCS and the NLCS are basically like watching different sports. There's so much strategy on the NL side because the pitcher is still intact, no DH. And the pitching is also just superior on that side. So it'll be really interesting to see. I I think offense wins. So I think the better offensive team is going to win in the World Series. But there's a lot more strategy when you get there. There, there certainly is. So excited to see how this all plays out um, with the Braves up 2-0, which is shocking in my book, and then a, you know, a great series formulating in the American League. Perfect segue for me. My number is about the Atlanta Braves, Ooh. and my number is zero. And I've done zero a couple times before, basically for dramatic effect, but I think this one is, is really, zero. really good. Zero is the amount of offensive value that Freddie Freeman has brought to the Braves in the NLCS. I like that. And the Braves are still up two to nothing on the Los Angeles Dodgers. In game one, Freeman was 0 for 4 with four Ks. And in game two, he was also 0 for 4 with three Ks. Seven strikeouts and eight at bats. And the Braves are up two to zero. Make it make sense. Uh, it doesn't. Um, but no, you, you you spotlighted the strikeout stat, which I just can't wrap my head around with Freddie Freeman, a guy that really doesn't strike out, ha- has really struggled. But what it comes down to is how deep that Braves lineup is, if you want to talk about offense. And we've said it multiple times throughout the season. And oh, wow, it's really showing up now. Austin Riley's a star. Oh, He's yeah. an absolute. We have been. This is an Austin Riley p- yep. pod. We finally get to brag about it. We mm-hmm. have been. So We've been on that train early. Yeah. Um, and it is showing right now. 
I mean, Jock Peterson has turned into an absolute monster for them as well here in the postseason. That, as I say, it comes out, that lineup is so, so deep. That is why they're able to right now overcome what, what Freddie Freeman's done. And the bullpen's been good enough for them mm-hmm. you know, as well. So I think they've been better than good enough. Too. Yeah, no, the, yeah. The, it, they're scary. Will Smith has been really good. Matzik has been really good. Charlie Morton hasn't pitched yet. That's the other thing. It's not even, if you had told me the things that had to go right, in order for the Braves to stay close in the series. Cause you and I both said it would be five games. We thought it was going to be easy, not even close. Charlie Morton would have had to pitch. Freddie Freeman would have had to hit four home runs. Dansby Swanson would have had to have been great. Travis Darno would have had to have been great. None of those guys have been entities, not even non-existent. They have not been entities at all. And they're still finding ways to get it done. It's pretty remarkable to watch. It is so fun to see teams string together hits and make the long innings go. As great as it is to mm-hmm. see two grand slams in two innings, it is also so cool to watch the quote-unquote old-school baseball with the stolen bases and the bunts and the sacrifice of the, the double switches. It's 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 fun to watch NL baseball right now. And and just like last year, Braves were up 3-1 to one in the Dodgers. So let's not go crazy, but they are exactly where they want to be, and they still could have a lot going in their favor. Because Freeman uh, is going to turn it around. That I, was the, the other spot here. He has to turn it around. He's too good. I, I think he will too. And let's focus on the important thing. We got a Will Smith versus Will Smith matchup last night. I mean, what more could you possibly ask for, right? <laughs> what more do you want? Uh, playoff baseball is great. We're so excited to be in the swing of these championship series. And we've got some awesome matchups. And as we talked about kind of in our preview, however this World Series turns out, it's going to be really good. Yeah, you've got heavyweights, you've got underdogs, Mm -hmm. you've got everything. Everything you could possibly want. No, this is going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Sweet. And and you've got a game to watch tonight. I do. I do. (laughs) Hopefully people are congratulating me in the morning instead of of consoling me. (laughs) Exactly. It's a great way to put it. All right. Well, that will do it for us here on the Did You Hear podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating as well, and follow us on Twitter slash Instagram at Did You Hear Pod. We will be back at it on Thursday. And Emma, that's a wrap. 